So hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of You Are My Borough with myself, Scott Wilson and Dom Shaw from the Northern Echo. We've got loads to go at. Um, we've got Stoke obviously at the weekend, so we will have a look at that. We'll touch on everything Michael Carrick was talking about at his press conference early this week and we'll also reflect on yesterday, which was obviously a rather big anniversary um, in the life of the borough and we'll talk about everything that we've been doing in terms of the echo pieces and features and everything that we've done around that this week a little bit of housekeeping before we start um if you're watching this on youtube then please comment um leave us um a comment and subscribe if you haven't already done that and if you're listening to this on one of the various podcast platforms that we're on then please rate and review um dom you had a good week I have, yeah. I'm living the dream today. One of the perks of working from home days I'm looking at now. I've had the World Indoor Athletics on all morning and the darts on, the UK Open darts on. There all we go. There yeah. we go. doesn't get better than that, does it? Oh, quality. Quality. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, right, well, speaking of living the dream, you're going to Stoke tomorrow. Indeed, yeah. Um, Can you do it on a wise, inevitably going to be a wet Saturday afternoon in Stoke? Insert service station chat here. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've been to Stoke since, and this isn't a happy memory. The relegation season, when right. that was that was like as things. I think Karanka was still there, wasn't he? And that was when it was clear. It was clear that Borough were were on the slide, and it was yeah. pretty clear at that stage. I'd have to look back. Um, was that was that the, when when there was suggestions of? Ramirez and Ledbitter at half time having words and weren't Borough 2 0 down at half time. Yeah, you check this before everything we was well and truly unraveling then, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I don't think I've been since. I remember, I remember they've got a picture, a proud picture of Rory Delap getting ready to roll out one of his long throws up in yeah. the press, up in the press lounge. Yeah, um, I mean, it's cliche, but it's, I, it's one of those grounds where it just always does seem to be wet and wild whenever I've been there. There's corners in it. The corners, wind just yeah. rips through the corners, doesn't it? Must be a yeah. cold old end for the away fans to be in as well, I always think. And and, and I know we're going to get onto it, but like clearly it's a big game for Borough. They want to get back after last week's disappointment. It is a huge game for Stoke, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you look at how things have because because um and I know we we you know we, we didn't want to be talking about the relegation battle here, but but a few weeks ago it looked like three from well, it looked like two from three, Rotherham were gone, weren't they? And then it looked like Chef Wed Huddersfield, QPR, two from those three had go. And yet those three teams have all picked up and they've dragged a load of teams into it. Indeed. We're only nine points clear now, aren't they? Well, Blackburn and Smoke and I mean, let's start there. Then let's start there. Listen, you know, what are we? We we we've got um, thirteen games of the season to go. Borough are currently thirteenth. They are eleven points off the playoff positions, albeit with a game in hand. And as you've rightly said, they are nine points clear of the relegation zone again, with a game in hand on most of the teams below them. I mean, we're getting towards the ultimate mid-table position, really, aren't we? I mean, is that, realistically, where do you see this season going now, Dom? Well, the, kind of the beauty of the Championship, there's, there's been various times, hasn't there, where the, the, the last day or the last two days of a Championship season, there's only been like four or five teams who've actually had 
nothing nothing to play for. But with Borough, that that's looking likely that how the final weeks of the season are going to play out. I mean, now they've got to get first. Let's look up. They've got they've got a game in hand. If they were to win that game in hand, that that'd be eight points. Yeah, they they, they need to win. You know that then that you'd have twelve games left after that. How many would you have to win realistically? Eight, nine of those twelve to stand a chance. Yeah, um, you're talking three to get back level, aren't you? And then you're going to have to win another. Four or five to kick further on. So, yeah, I would think so. Carrick said yesterday, which I'm sure we'll talk about here, that, that Borough still have to believe. Um, you know, you can't write the season off. But but I think now there's a general acceptance that that, that looks extremely unlikely and would be a massive ask just because of yeah. the in- inconsistency of recent weeks. Borough have lost three from four. And I think what was so disappointing about the Plymouth defeat was the Leicester win was such yeah. a big. And, and then you just looked at that Plymouth game and four of Borough's next five games are against teams in the bottom half. So you looked at that Plymouth game and thought, well, if, if we can build on that there, p- potentially there's an opportunity. Um, obviously, Borough didn't. So so that leaves them in the position they're in. As for looking kind of over the shoulder, nine points, you know, if, you, if they were to lose the weekend, for example, then that gap tightens again. I, I think... I, I don't think Borough are going to get sucked into a relegation battle. I, th- I think they'll win more than enough games between now and the end of the season. And I think for the same reason why I think a playoff push looks extremely unlikely, is the same reason I won't get sucked in. It's not just the points. It's the teams between yeah. them. Yeah. And there's an awful lot yeah. of teams between Borough and the bottom three. Clearly, complacency can't set in, and and, and I don't think it will set in. Um but it, but it would take an all, a, a mess of a, of a running between now and the end of the season, wouldn't it? For Borough to yeah, get, get a problem. What, what do you think? No, I agree. I agree. I, I think I think the worry is that it just becomes a real nothing, nothing of a two yeah. month, and, and that you know, I, I think you can you can kind of take that as fans and and, and whatever. If it's if you talk about the last couple of matches, okay, you know, if if you run out of steam. And and you, you you're not going to make it, and the last couple of games are, are, are pretty meaningless. Then then that's you know okay, that's fine. We've all been there before. There's been plenty of seasons that have ended up like that. I think if you're talking about playing two months worth of matches that deep down everybody probably knows don't have an awful lot riding on them. You're not going up. You're not going down. That's that becomes a bit of a slog, doesn't it? It becomes a slog for the fans who still have some really long away trips that they're going to have to negotiate and tackle. You know, how do you kind of motivate yourself and and and, and the financial cost and everything that goes with them when you know it's not not really up for anything? And, and But then the players themselves, you know, I mean, Michael Carrick will say all the right things. We know they're professionals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, if you're going into games knowing that ultimately the outcome doesn't really have anything riding on it massively, then... Then that is a that is a difficulty. That is a challenge, and so that that would be my worry for the rest of the. Season. I, I'm like you. I, I don't I don't see a scenario where Borough are seriously threatened by relegation, but I also now think 11 points is just far too big a gap to make up to realistically have a chance. Given that you know there are teams up there in the playoff mix who who will win, you know four, four oh. or five of their next six or seven to to make it pretty much nigh impossible for Borough to get there. So. That would be my worry, you know. Are, are we just going to drift through to the end, really? And 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 like you say, you know, Michael Carrick was kind of asked about that yesterday, and, and you know, he, he said what you would expect him to say. But in some ways, it's going to be a test, a different test of his managerial kind of um, portfolio, if you like, of 
of how he negotiates this next couple of months if it, if it is you know pretty obvious that the season's going nowhere because that's a challenge in itself isn't it yeah because yesterday i went down the classic line of other players playing for their future even if even if you know borough aren't going to finish in the top six this year and Carrick basically said no. Uh, he said, obviously, the players are always the players are always having to impress to stay in the team. But what he said was, there's no extra scrutiny on the players between between now and then. Um, I don't think there are there are many players who, um, obviously, there's Paddy McNair whose contracts uncertain, yeah. and um, there, there are players on the fringes, for example, and then there's the low knees and the future of the likes of Luke Ayling and and Lewis O'Brien to be determined. But I. But I don't think there's many players who you'd say are going into a summer of complete uncertainty, really. And and no. we'll touch on this and kind of what to expect in the summer. But th this is this is quite a rare, rare scenario for Borough in general, isn't it? How many times since since relegation in 2009 have Borough at this stage of the season been playing for very little? Um, yeah. Because if you look back at recent seasons, obviously not last year, the year before under Chris Wilder, it was on the last day of the season at Preston when they fell short. The year before under Warnock, Borough fell away, but but were very much in the mix, weren't they? I mean, come the turn Certainly of the year. at this stage of the season, yeah. Yeah, the turn of the year, kind of automatic promotion didn't seem out of the realms of possibility. The year before that, it was relegation that was relegation, the worry. Yeah. Um, so there's been very few seasons when Borough have, have been in this position at this stage. And it is a test for Carrick. I think it's a test for Carrick and it's a test for the players. And, and I just think it's so important to, kind of keep the mood as upbeat as possible going into the summer and going in to next season. Um it'd be damaging, wouldn't it, if if this if form just completely fell off a cliff, as it has done really in the last few weeks, between now and the end of the season, if that was extended. Yeah. I think Borough need Borough need to give the fans some optimism really and something to cheer about and something to be excited about going into next season when clearly the ambition is going to be to be right there in the mix again. So let's let's look at tomorrow then. Um, before we kind of look at the wider picture, let's focus in on the game itself tomorrow. Um, I mean, how are we looking injury wise and, and team news wise? Obviously, the news on Hackney was not good. The news on House and a little bit better. Yeah, Hackney a few weeks, he said, um, or a number of weeks. House and hopes to be back in training next week. That's a big boost because the early indication with House and Hackney was that they were both pretty long term, weren't they? Um, yeah. By long term, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean five, six weeks. Um, but Housen's clearly going to be back. Dale Fry's still out tomorrow. Uh, and, and and Carrick suggested yesterday that the likes of Isaiah Jones are still no clear, no closer to being ready. Uh, Emmanuel Latte-Lath, will he come in for a start after being back on the bench? Um, I think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would. You would. You would. I mean, it's, it's, not like, it's not like any of the solutions that we've tried so far have really banged the door down and said... You know, you have to keep on doing this. If if he's if he's come through unscathed last week and this week, I, I think it's got to start, hasn't he? Because yeah. who's keeping him out? That's it. That's yeah. it. Exactly. You know, we've seen Greenwood up there. We've seen Azaz up there. We've seen Silvera up there. Um, we haven't really seen Force up there, which is still yeah. another moot point. But everything that's tried hasn't really worked, has it? Borough have needed a striker. We've said for weeks and weeks and weeks they need someone to lead the line. Well, latter last, you, you know, it, it, if he's anywhere near right and the fact that he came through that sub-appearance on skid suggests he, he must be pretty close, then surely he's got to play. 
Yeah, I think so. And I think it'll be it, it'd be a obvious boost just to have a striker, a natural striker yeah. leading the line. Um you were there last week and it just um sorry, no, you weren't with the uh the Plymouth game, but that just clearly didn't work. The system didn't no. work. Michael Carrick held his hands up afterwards and admitted he said it was on him, although it wasn't clear whether he meant the selection or the approach or just everything in general, really. But that didn't work. And it feels like on the back of a defeat like that, changes are inevitable. I wonder whether Senny Dieng comes back in tomorrow for Glover. I'm surprised he hasn't already, to be honest. You know, I was just going to say that. That's been a strange one because, you know, Dieng was clearly the number one at the start of the season. Now, you know, yes, he had the injury. He was going to go away. He then came back. He had to recover from the injury. So I can understand that there was maybe a little bit of hesitation about throwing him straight in. But, he's, you know, he's clearly fit now. I mean, he's been on the bench for the best part of a month. Um, so he's clearly fit. Um, you know, Glover, he's had good moments. He's had not so good moments. I think what you would say is he's not... He's not really delivered a string of performances that would make you say he now has to be the number one. So I think if if Dieng is going to still be your number one moving forward, and I, you know I would have thought that he would be given that given how well he performed in those early stages of the season, it, it struck me as a bit strange that he hasn't been back in yet. I I understood after the Sunderland game and that mistake, I I thought then um, that he'd keep Glover in just because. It, it's it's a bit of a hit on confidence if you make a mistake and then you you hooked from the team, aren't you? Isn't yeah. it the, the following week? So I wasn't surprised that he stayed in after that, but but I am surprised that he's that he's continued to be named as as the keeper. And I don't think he's been convincing at all. I thought he was in the early stages. I thought in his first few yeah. games he looked good. Um, a couple of really good games, but I don't think he's been convincing at all in the last few weeks. I don't think his distribution's been great. Um, the, the Preston game, obviously, there's question marks over the, the first goal. Obviously, the Sunderland won the first goal last week against yeah. Plymouth. Um, it is surprising that, that he hasn't been brought back in. It's similar to the McGree one earlier in the season, I think, where that seemed a bit of a perplexing one that McGree yeah. wasn't playing. Um, Carrick, for whatever reason, will, will, you know, whatever the reasons are, he'll, he'll have his reasons. And um, we'll see tomorrow. But, but I, yeah... I, It'd be if if Glover was to stay in again tomorrow, then I think it'd be an interesting one. Is he is he then the number one? You know, is it? Yeah. What stage does at what stage is Glover your number one and Dieng the the deputy? Well, um, that's it, isn't it? I mean, yeah, exactly. It's you know, it's if he, if he's in for another couple of matches, then you'd suggest he's probably going to stay until the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think Dieng was. One of the undoubtedly plus points of the first half of the season, wasn't he? I think. Yeah. When you got to what October, November, if you're saying who's been the best signing, I know Morgan Rogers went for for big money in January, but, but the vast majority, I think, at that stage would have said would have said DM. Yeah, yeah. He, he came in and, and kind of convinced from the off. Really, obviously, he got the injury at Swansea, which was just before he went away. Um, and yeah, things have clearly changed since. Anything else to come out of the kind of presser yesterday or the, or the chats with yeah. with Carrick? Anything else that you'd you'd flag up as um, of interest? Well, he looked ahead to the to the summer, um, and obviously last summer we've talked about this at length. Have we? That it was an overhaul at 
a bit of a reluctant overhaul, really, a reluctant revamp because of the all-alone players going back, Tuberac yeah. leaving. And Borough were in a position where they had to replace like five, six of, the, of their very best players from last season. Um, Carrick talked about the importance of continuity and stability and consistency this summer. Now, clearly, I think on social media today, that a fair few fans have reacted and, 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 you know, we do need another overhaul. Borough will look to strengthen the squad undoubtedly this summer. Clearly, a centre-forward's the priority. Right-back's an area they're going to look at, depending on Luke yeah. Ayling's situation. Centre-midfield, centre-half, depending on Paddy McNair's situation. Attacking midfield, depending on the Sam Greenwood situation, because <clears throat> I think Leeds are looking increasingly like automatic promotion winners, aren't they? And we've discussed what that could mean for Greenwood. So, so clearly, Borough are going to be looking at, what, four or five signings in the summer. But but what the, what they're not going to be having to do is replace four or five major players who yeah. are leaving now. That's the difference, isn't it? Yeah, obviously there are question marks. You, you don't know what offer might come in for a Hayden Hackney, Rav Vandenberg. But and two things, Borough will obviously do all they can to keep those players. And you, you would hope they'd have plans in place for if and when those players go. Um, but that aside, yeah, there's loan players, but the team isn't built around loan players this season like it was last season. They're not going to be losing, what, 60, 70 goals like they lost yeah. last season. It, it's, it feels like it's more adding to what's there rather than having to replace and start again, which was the case last summer, wasn't it? It was a new, it was a new team, completely yeah. new team at the start of this year. I, I agree. I think it still feels like the need to get that main attacker right, though. Oh, undoubtedly. Uh, yeah. You know, we've been saying it for a couple of windows now, and you know, yes, you can you can tinker around it right back. That they'll need to bring in a centre half. I think probably regardless of what happens with McNair. Um, yeah. But ultimately, I think we're back to a scenario where, to a large extent, the success or failure of whatever Borough do on the summer will hinge on the striker. Can they get the striker right? Because that's that's inevitably where they're going to have to spend the bulk of their money. Um, you know, it, it, we were at the stage now, and I think the club know it in fairness to them, that, you know, they're going to have to probably invest pretty heavily now in, in a striker, um, a permanent, you know, to, to get someone in who's who's going to be the main man last season. Clearly, the hope this season was that Latalath would become that. Well, you know... In large, largely through no fault of his own, he's not really had the chance to show whether he's capable of that or not. So, you know, maybe between now and the end of the season, Latalath will embark on a kind of run that suggests, actually, you know, you can rely on him a bit more next season than maybe it looks like at the minute. But aside from that, I think, you know, that's where the gap is, isn't it? And, and, and the club know that and Carrick knows that and we all know that, really. Uh, and there's there's nothing more difficult than signing a centre forward, is there, in the transfer window? But it but it's easier in the summer than it is in oh, January. Oh yeah, isn't definitely. It? We, we kind of don't need to go over that again, and, and the the January window. But the, there were players who who were kind of monitored and looked at, but were always well aware that they weren't going to be available in January. That that was never a possibility. Yeah. Um, now obviously those will be revisited in the summer. Um, and that that's the undoubted priority because the others, um, centre midfield, obviously Johnny Housen's situation needs to be resolved again, and, and then there's the O'Brien position, right back, yeah, Ailing. But but you've you, you you're starting from you're starting from a relatively strong point in those positions, aren't you? You've still got yeah. 
players there. Whereas up front, you've only got two players who've, who've spent a large bulk of this season injured and are both unproven at this level over, over a long period of time. Coburn, yeah. we know, was going to go out on loan at the start of the season before those plans changed. Um, you might even be looking at two strikers, mightn't you, depending on... Depending I think there's on every chance. I mean, I th- yeah, I think there's every chance because, um, you know... I- I guess the way that Carrick plays with, with really only one, maybe you're looking at a, a nine and a ten. I think you're looking at two forwards. Let's Depending put it on like Greenwood, that. yeah. Especially, if, yeah, especially Greenwood. If, if it is is starting to look increasingly likely, Greenwood probably doesn't sign or might not sign anyway. Um, yeah, because yeah, if Greenwood if Greenwood was if Greenwood wasn't to sign, then you've got those players behind, you've got Force, Azaz, Jones, McGree. McGree. And Greenwood now. Silvera, so sorry, yeah. So if you take Greenwood out of it, you're probably definitely looking at needing one more in there, aren't you? I think so. Yeah, I think so because maybe you know, someone like you. They're, they're, they're the kind of key players to Carrick's team. I mean, I guess, I guess they maybe become slightly less important if you have a genuine number nine who's going to get you twenty goals a season. But at the moment, that that's where Borough are relying for you know goals, creativity, threat, everything really is coming from those wide attacking or number 10 positions. Yeah, um, Johnny Housen, I mean, we have this conversation every year, but that another contract there feels likely, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it goes for, for, for a, you know, for a whole host of reasons, on and off the pitch. I mean, you know, we all know how important Housen is off the pitch. We all know how much Carrick values him. He, he has a massive leadership role that he plays there in a squad that doesn't have a lot of leaders in it, let's be honest, really. So, I can see the importance of that. Now, you know, I don't think given his age, you necessarily sign him just for that if, if he's clearly incapable of doing it on the pitch anymore. But he's not, is he? You know, he's he's shown this season that he's still more than capable of playing a role within the championship. Now, I think it'll be interesting between now and the end of the season. He's coming back, but Barlasa and O'Brien have, have kind of had a run. They've started to establish themselves there. I think it'll be interesting to see how much football house and players between now and the end of the season because maybe for the first time, well, really, in all the time he's been here, we are going to start to get to a point where actually he's not first choice anymore and that, and that actually Carrick's first choice team maybe doesn't have house in it. I'm not sure, we, I'm not saying we're definitely there yet, but you could see that between now and the end of the season, couldn't you? I think, I think at the minute, the, the, the first choice pair for me it'd still undoubtedly be Housen and Hackney I think Barlasser yeah. I think is on the whole disappointed um, in the last couple of months I think the interesting one's O'Brien because o- O'Brien as we've talked about was one of the league's best midfielders uh, a couple of seasons yeah. ago he hasn't had a run I, I, regardless of whether Housen's fit or not it wouldn't surprise me to see O'Brien get a run now to mm-hmm. see what he's capable of well, he's in the middle do. Yeah, yeah. And whether, now you know I don't know whether I don't know whether a summer moves possible. I don't know the finances of that. I don't know what his wages are at Nottingham Forest. I don't know what Forest kind of stance is on it. Um, but 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 if Borough are considering the option of bringing him in in a permanent in the summer, then you'd think that they'd want to see a run of him now yeah. in the team in that position between now and the end of the season. Um, so I think if you've got a fully fit house and now, but without Hackney, I, I'd probably go with House and it's the two, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see, won't it? It'll be interesting to see. And and, and before we wrap up, then what about um what did what did kind of Carrick have to say on the week? Then I mean, obviously, 
clearly he wasn't here when all the Carlin Cup stuff was going on, but he's an integral part of Borough now. I suspect he was um, kind of asked for his thoughts on it and everything. Yeah, he was there last night. He was there at the town hall yeah. last night for the for the reunion. Uh, Gareth Southgate, Massimo Magaroni, Zillard Nenneth, Stewie Downing, Bolo's ending. Um, and, and that looked great, the pictures and, and videos I've seen from there. And you went down to speak, you spoke to Steve Gibson and, and to Gareth Southgate, didn't you? Yeah. On, on Southgate first, I mean, it says a lot about him that the current England manager, as an hour in his diary, welcomes you down to St George's Park. Yeah. And, and he's more than happy. Makes time spend... to see one of us two clowns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, that was exactly it. I mean, so, um, uh, yeah, obviously covered the club when Gareth was here, both as a player and a manager. Had a really good relationship with him at the time. Um but obviously he's moving in very, very different circles now as England manager and everything. So um it doesn't forget very try and set it up. And 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 to be fair to him, he could not have been more accommodating or nicer in terms of, yeah, I'd love to do it, Scott. We'll try and make it work with my diary. As I say, I went down to St. George's Park. I thought what was really nice was I had about about an hour with him, and the first 15 minutes, he was just wanting to know which of the journalists are still working up on the patch, who's still up there that I dealt with, how do you get on, how are you getting on with Steve? Um, do you ever see Dave Parnaby anymore? What's he up to? Just wanting to know what was going on with Borough, really, which I thought and 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 kind of us lot up here. Um, and I thought that was really lovely. And, and and Gareth being Gareth, he was genuinely interested in it. It wasn't just, you know, kind of saying it because he felt that he had to. Um, there was a genuine interest there. And then we did the interview. And then for 15 minutes after that, we were just kind of chatting about him in England and, and Borough and, and everything. It was lovely. It was really, really nice. And, um, and, 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 you know, I think what came through from the piece and what comes through from speaking to him is that, that Borough was a massive, massive part, not just of his football and career, but of his life. You know, he um, he just bought into everything around Borough so much. He wanted to be the the, the, the kind of captain, the figurehead that, that, that won the trophy. He wanted to be someone that the town and the club could be proud of. Um, and, you know, as, as he said, he, he, he actually only ever played for three clubs, Villa, Borough and Palace. And... And, you know, he, he, he said that even today, every one of them has a massively special place in his heart. Um, but it was obviously at Borough and Villa that he actually won things. And as he said, yes, winning, winning um, the League Cup with Villa was great. But but Villa have won a European Cup before. You know, Borough, this, this was the trophy, wasn't it? This was the moment. I, I was going to say, you're touching it there, reading the piece when I read it a bit. What struck me was kind of the emotional investment, really. That the, yeah. we talked about coming in and realizing quickly what Tony Mowbray meant to the town, and 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 wanting to almost follow in his footsteps, and then also talking about Hugo. Yeah, yeah, which was which was um, you know quite a poignant moment, um, and and he just kind of said that un, un, un kind of prompted really that. Um, that he doesn't have a lot of regrets in his life, but 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 one of the big ones, as he said, was that um, post his career playing career, he never got the chance to actually sit down with Hugo and tell him just what he thought about him as a person more than a fellow centre half and then the player he played alongside. Um, and so that's why I think, even though I'm sure he's got a million and one things on his plate, he was absolutely determined he was going to be there last night, Southgate, because you know he made the point that. 
I, I, you know, I'll always be a part of this team and this team will always be a massive part of my life and I don't want to lose that. I thought that was really nice as well. Apparently there was a couple of Southgate salutes on the stage last night. Yes, yes, I saw that, yeah. When you think back now, um, what a centre-half pairing that was, Southgate and Hugo. I'm, I'm thinking now as to like who or what the equivalent would be now in the Premier League of the type of players because Ooh, yeah. they've both been England internationals. Um, yeah. The, 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 the both, you know, maybe take out the top one or two or those both in the peak would have gone, would have done. But the, they both have strengthened most Premier League defences, wouldn't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 you know, centre halves who could do a bit of everything, you know, yeah. they, they had the physicality. And, and, and Southgate said that, you know, um, that actually that second half against Bolton. Yes, to a certain extent, Borough were under the cosh a little bit and, and Bolton were kind of trying to get back into the game. But as Southgate said, really, what they were doing was meat and drink to him and Ehiog. You know, they were trying to hit diagonal balls into Kevin Davies. Well, as Southgate said, me and Hugo would take that all day long. You know what I mean? That was that was fine by us. Um, so they could do all that. But then, they, you know, they were also good footballers, weren't they? I mean, you know, I think that's an, probably an underrated part, certainly of Southgate's game as a player, that, you know, he, he was he was good with the ball at his feet. He was a threat from set pieces. Um, he, you know, he obviously <coughs> um, probably, probably gets downplayed a little bit because, um, you know, he was in an era where, you know, you had the kind of, before him, you had the kind of Bruce Pallister, all that kind of axis. And then afterwards, there was obviously the Terry Ferdinand, um, that kind of era. And and, and and from an England perspective, he probably fell a little bit between those two stools. But um, but he was, you know, he was he was a really, and, and it was when I looked, I, I, he, he, I think he's got 96 England caps, certainly in the 90s, which, you know, when you think of it, is quite something, isn't it? And this is this is a debate for another day, clearly. But when you think of like the Borough's Riverside Dream Team, and you get the centre half, Woodgate the only one who make a case yeah. to get him. Split them up, yeah. I, I, think... I mean, I know. Then you've got big. Nat, I suppose not. I suppose because you've got Pearson. Um, yeah. But Southgate and Eggyog stand alone, don't they? I think Southgate, so. I mean, Woodgate, big Nige, they're the four. I mean, would he had some fantastic? moments with Borough, but would the best bits of Woodgate's career were not in a Borough shirt, were they? You know, you'd have to you'd have to say that really. So I think in terms of yeah, but Borough's Riverside team, I think yeah, Pearson's probably the only one that that would seriously threaten Southgate and Ehiog as your centre half partnership. I wouldn't fancy being the one telling Pearson that he wasn't in the uh that he no, no I wouldn't <laughs> And you caught up with Steve Gibson as well for his yes. memories of the day. Yeah, 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 which was nice as well. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, again, what came out of there was just how emotional he got on the day. And even even when he's looking back on it now, I think how how much it all still means to him. Um, you know, that, um, that he, he's clearly taken Borough, you know, Right from the the dark days of '86 and everything, he's 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 been there every step along the way of the roller coaster ride, hasn't he? And and you know there've been there've been some pretty crushing lows, but there have been some fantastic highs, and clearly Cardiff being right at the at the top of them. Um, 
And yeah, he 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 um he told some decent stories about the day. The, the Sam Allardyce seagull story. I'd never heard that one. Never heard that. No, I'd never he, heard. He that. just dropped it in, and and um no pun and, uh, and yeah, if, for those of that haven't read the piece, and, and shame on you if you haven't, <laughs> <laughs> get on the Northern Echo website and read it. Um, well, yeah, he t- told this great story of how he'd been on the pitch to see McLaren pre-game and was just walking back up the tunnel with Keith Lamb and Sam Allardyce was there walking from kind of the other end of the pitch and um, showed him that a seagull had uh, done its business on the kind of lapel <laughs> of Allardyce's suit, which is quite quite hilarious, but was kind of beaming from from um, from face to face saying, well, that's good luck, you know, that's it, we're going to win the cup now kind of thing. And, and Steve said that from absolutely no one, he said to this day, he has no idea where it came from, but suddenly Keith Lamb just had this cloth in his hand and um, and wiped it off and said, right, well, that's the end of that. We'll see about that. No more good luck kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 Burra got one over on Big Sam that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think what it shows, I think what it shows to, to, to the players of today, to, to the kind of lads coming through the academy, to, to Michael Carrick, is what what success means to the town and what success yeah. means to the fans. Now, I'm not saying go and win another cup because clearly that that is extremely difficult for a club like Borough to do. You know, you look back at the recent league and FA Cup winners, it's extremely difficult for any club outside the top five or six in the Premier League to do, isn't it? Um, but even how fondly the promotion winners from 2016 yeah. are remembered. And, well, that, and that what, day against Brighton was, was probably... Post Eindhoven, as as good a day as has been. Yeah, yeah. So. I think I think when fans look at you know a day and and a moment for the club, I think post Eindhoven that that probably is the one that ticks the box. And you know, there's no reason why there can't be another day like that. I mean, if Borough were to win a playoff final at Wembley, that would be quite something, wouldn't it? That would that would be right up there. I mean, you know, it, it wouldn't top Cardiff because it's not a major trophy. It, it wouldn't probably even top Eindhoven, even though we know the result didn't go there. But it would, you know, it, it would be straight away in the top five borough moments from the last three decades, wouldn't it? Oh, undoubtedly. Because when you say there about Brighton, I mean, if you look at like the Riverside era, the, the great occasions, that Liverpool, Cup night, Basel, Stoyer, Cardiff, clearly Eindhoven. And, and then it's probably that, but not not probably, but that Brighton game is the other obvious yeah. one that's that's right in there, isn't it? And on that, um, one of the players who was obviously centrally involved, George Friend, announced his retirement. Yeah. Week, and, and, and within his statement, talked about how special, uh, how much Borough means to him, how special um, the club and, and the town is to him. Just a word on him, hopefully... I was going to say, if you're watching or listening, George, he's told me in the past he doesn't, but I'd like to believe that that maybe one day he'll jump on. We'd, we'd love to get him on one day. Um, but but when you look back at signings of the Riverside era, for what he for what he's cost, for what he went on to achieve, 299 games, he's undoubtedly up there. But but he's one of those who, like Southgate, just got it, didn't he? Got got yeah, what it meant to play for the club. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 you know, it's no it's no coincidence that he's still held in such massively high regard by the Borough fans and everything, isn't it? I mean, I think I think if you're talking about the last decade, probably, um, then you're probably saying friend and housing, aren't you? 
for the two signings that have, you know, elevated themselves to that kind of club legend type state. Yeah, I, th then. I think friend, friend Housen and Ledbetter in that and, era, yeah, yeah. in that era are the three, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I mean, I know Johnny Housen's obviously, um, you know, not, he's clearly not Borough, but, but he's Yorkshire. He's, he's not a million miles away. George obviously came from absolutely the opposite end of the country. And yet, and yet, like you say, just got it straight away. Um, bought into everything around Borough, the community, the foundation stuff. He was obviously very central when there was the whole Save Our Steel and, and the Red Cur and everything like that. And, and, um, and you know, just just absolutely um, threw himself into everything that, that the region and the club stood for. And, 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 um, and also, you know, absolutely maximised everything that he had and gave absolutely everything out on the pitch because you can do all of that and that'll that'll take you to a certain point but then ultimately you're always going to be judged to a degree on your performances aren't you and and again a bit like Southgate I think sometimes what Friend was really good at got a bit underrated and underplayed sometimes because it's it's one of the weird things with football isn't it and I always come back to this with Stewie Downing that the, the best players and the best liked players often get judged the harshest. And mm. I thought that with friend, it's certainly towards the end, a lot of the time that, you know, every, every little error he made got kind of blown up out of all proportions. And yet then he did play 10 games where he'd be absolutely rock solid and, and be great and be up and down the flank and all that. And, and that gets forgotten sometimes, I think, just how good a player he was. In, in the, in the, in the, Season when Borough lost in the playoff final and, and the promotion winning season, I don't think there was a better left back in the championship, no. more consistent no, I don't. in the championship. Um, and yeah, he, he drove standards, didn't he? He was, um, yeah, he's, he's absolutely right up there in the conversation when you think of the most influential signings and the, and the best signings, certainly in the championship era. Um, and hopefully Borough's championship era comes to a close sometime <laughs> soon. <laughs> yeah. This season, um, and that and that's uh, not because they're going to end up in League One. No, 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 no. Uh, Stoke on Saturday. I'm there. We'll have Stoke. four bridge. Yeah, come on, right, come on, Dom. Come on, Stoke tomorrow. What are we doing? Um, you're going to get wet. You're going to get yeah. cold. You're going to get yeah. blown around. Are you going to see three points? I think a draw. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of talk this week about how much it means to stop. I read a John Walters rallying cry earlier today. Um, it feels like it's getting do or die for Stoke, doesn't it? At yeah. this stage, after the run they're on. Um, I, I expected Stephen Schumacher to get more of a response than as he has done. But then when Schumacher went in, I thought, good appointment. But I've thought that with various appointments and various signings they've made, and for whatever reason, it just doesn't one work. Of those, one of those clubs, Stoke, aren't they, where whatever they've tried, and they've tried everything. They've tried throw money at it. They've tried young players. They've tried experienced managers. They've tried young... They've tried everything, and it just hasn't even looked like work. And I mean, it's not even that they've that they've um, kind of not been able to get back in the Premier League. I, I struggle to think of a time when Stoke have really been involved in the, in the promotion battle at this stage of the season since they came down. When Alex Neal's store came to the Riverside the back end of last season, I thought they were one of the best yeah, teams. I remember you saying how impressed you were with them. Yeah. And I thought then, like, they're, they're going to end the season well and be in the mix again this season. But I've thought that on various occasions and they just never are. Um, yeah. 
one one tomorrow. I reckon. What are you saying? Do you know what? I'm gonna right. I either think Borough get beat one nil narrowly in a horrible game and Stoke just get over the line. You're selling or, it. Or I think they win comfortably, like three nil Borough. I, I, that's the way I see it. I, I think either the whole thing is a bit too much for Stoke and Burridge can just pick them off on the counter-attack and run out comfortable winners, or it's a horrible arm wrestle and I don't fancy Burridge in that scenario and I would take Stoke 1-0. So it's a different way of sitting in the fen- on the fence, but I'm either going 1-0 Stoke or 3-0 Burridge. I was going to say, if you, if you fancy a flutter, then we've tipped a score draw, a home win. And a <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so exactly. as long as it's not nil-nil, we can there sit we here there we go. And, uh, yeah. and reflect on it on a prediction, on a prediction yeah. done right. Um, yeah. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll have live coverage throughout the afternoon on Saturday from the Bet365 Stadium and then analysis um, throughout the week, over the course of the weekend and into early next week. Please do subscribe, as Scott said at the start, if you haven't already. Uh, and if you listen on podcasts, then rate, review as well. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your weekend and let's hope for three points at Stoke on Saturday afternoon. <laughs>